Hey, everybody, welcome to You Were Born for This, the podcast with me, Father John Ricardo. I'm your host, the executive director of Acts 29, where we talk about anything and everything related to transforming parishes. And as usual, I'm here with co-hosts Nick and Mary. Guys, how you doing? We're doing great. Doing great, Padre. This is the fifth take for the start of the show. We think we've had laughter nonstop for like the last four minutes. Sorry, you guys all missed it. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Nick, given that, what's our topic? I'm going to try not to laugh, Father. Our topic today is why we need to reimagine parishes right now. Now! So, so this, this, this topic is continuing our series on the white paper, right? So we've been talking about these last several episodes, and we will continue to talk about. And the reason we wrote that white paper, which is titled Reimagining What a Catholic Parish Can Be, a Destination for the 21st Century. So the reason why we wrote this is because we're convinced that Acts 29, from our own experience in both priestly and parish ministry, as well as our experience ministering to priests and parishes across the country, that the present model, the model we're all very familiar with in the pews, of parish life is unsustainable and is not what God is asking for in these days. So we want to do this... um, like unpacking of why we need to reimagine parishes now and kind of a little mini series of three episodes here. So next time we want to talk about why it's necessary for the lay faithful in the pews so that they can get the care they deserve and be equipped as best as possible for the mission that is uniquely theirs, right? And then after that, we want to talk about why this is necessary for the nuns and those who have fallen away from the church. And after that, Father John, we need to pray. Yeah, let's do that. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, we ask your anointing on our time right now, our conversation, that we would say those words that you desire to put into our mouths and into the ears of our brothers and sisters who are listening so that all that you're asking of us as the body of Christ in the church today, in the midst of all that's happening in the culture and in the church, uh, might take place in the way in which you desire it to. Help us to be attentive to your voice. Give us wisdom and courage to do what it is that you show us. Uh, you want us to do. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. So today we want to talk about why this is necessary from the standpoint of those clergy and lay collaborators who serve in the parish. And so we want to do that by touching on four things. So let me just lay out for you immediately what we want to tackle. So first we want to help people feel the pain of parish life who might not know about it. Two, we want to help those of us who serve in parishes, both priests and lay, that if they feel exhausted, that this is a common experience across the country, so you're not alone. And the next, we want to offer an exhortation uh, to the lay faithful in the pews. And lastly, to understand, and this is so important, that it doesn't have to be this way. So, Father, help us feel the pain. Yeah, feel my pain. Okay, let me tell you about my pain as a pastor. So maybe I can do it this way. Um, We have found one of the most uh, helpful clips, if you will, from a a movie. It's a little movie scene to summarize uh, our experience of parish ministry, whether it's priests or lay faithful, uh, to be a scene in Hacksaw Ridge when uh, all these young new recruits, so they've been trained, they've been off at the, uh, in the army base back in the United States, they're sent over to Okinawa, they land at Okinawa, and they're marching on their way up to battle. 
So these guys we often equate to, this is like newly ordained priests or men and women, lay men and women who are like, I want to be part of the, the, the church. I want to serve in the body of Christ. I want to serve in my parish. And together, whether you're lay or ordained, I mean, we're all well-intentioned, but we're naive as all get out is about to what we're about to walk into, right? Mm. And as these guys are marching up to the battlefield, down come the soldiers that they're replacing who have been in the battle. And the soldiers are in trucks and they're coming down and the, the soldiers fall into one of three categories. They're either dead, they're wounded, or they're dazed. And we've, we've shown this to, to people who serve in parishes and we've shown them to people who are not in parishes, who don't have any idea about parish life. And whenever we show it to people who don't know anything about parish ministry, they look at us and they go, really? Like, that's parish life? It looks like you guys got it really good. So we want to try to take a look at why this is, why it is that those uh, who serve in parishes are, are often, uh, more often than not, uh, wounded, dazed, or perhaps even dead, even though you may not know that. So, um, so if I'm speaking to priests right now or to lay faithful who serve in a parish, you know this, but I want to take a moment to really uh, speak to those who don't know parish ministry from inside so that you can get a glimpse. I want to kind of take you behind the curtain if, if I can. And I want to try to do this by breaking it up into two categories, challenges from inside, if you will, and then challenges from outside. And so challenges inside first, there's way too many. So we always have to limit ourselves with what we do, whether we're talking or writing. Um, so this isn't intended to be by any means exhaustive. But maybe, maybe we could just address four right now. The first is we're just massively under-resourced. And, and I want to limit myself here to personnel. We're also really massively under-resourced financially. That's an entirely different topic. We'll talk about that on another occasion. I mean, like, I think the average Catholic gives $10 a week to the offertory. That's just not going to sustain anything. But that's another topic, okay? So... We're under-resourced, especially with regards to clergy and then to lay staff. So I'll just tackle clergy. Mayor, maybe you can talk a little bit about lay staff. So you might be in a parish where you're fortunate enough to have a priest at your parish. But understand, that's not everybody. Many people who are listening right now, they don't have a resident priest in their parish. In fact, the parish uh, that you go to might be served by one priest who cares for three parishes or two parishes. And so even if you do have a priest at your parish, more often than not, he's alone. And whether he's alone or he's uh, serving one or two other parishes, the priestly life, from my own experience, is often one which is, um, lends itself to exhaustion and to isolation and to loneliness. And we're not saying any of this to like, oh, man, it's so terrible to be a priest. You know, like we have it so rough. We, I know what marriage and family's life, at least from the sense of ministering to couples and whatnot. But again, we, we continue to speak about this because most people don't know what's going on in clergy life. And most clergy don't talk about it. So we want to keep exposing it. And so um, even, even in the parishes where I've lived, where I've lived with other priests, whether it's one other priest or sometimes two other priests, my experience is we almost never ate together. And it wasn't because we didn't like each other. Like, we loved each other, actually. It was simply because our life was so insanely busy, and we just had no time. 
and we had no time for some of the reasons that we're going to get to uh, as we continue to go along. So I'm just going to keep banging this drum, guys, because um, this situation of clergy living and trying to care for parishes, it's not healthy, and it isn't human, and it doesn't have to be this way. But that's just from a clergy perspective in terms of being under-resourced. Mary, you and I worked together in parish ministry for a number of years. Uh, what's, the, what's a layperson's perspective on being under-resourced? Yeah, so so staffs are pinched as well. And um, the average parish, we just learned, we just read an article, uh, and it said something like each parish has approximately 2.5 staff people. And some of the pastors that we've been chatting with over the last set of months have no one. They're, they're writing the bulletin. They're preaching. They're teaching in the school. They're doing a host of things, so they have nobody. Yeah, we're working with a guy. We're about to start working with a guy we were talking on the phone with last week, and we're talking about how big's your staff. He looked at us. He laughed. He goes, uh, zero. I got That's no one. That's my staff. Mm. We're like, you have zero? And he goes, he's doing yep, everything. I got nobody. And he's got how many parishes? He's got three parishes. He's got three parishes. And so, obviously, this means that this 2.5 folks are um, doing three or four different jobs they've got they're spinning a lot of plates they're wearing a lot of different hats which means the ministry either isn't getting done or it's getting done poorly yeah but at least we pay you well right uh mm. incorrect bob would you like to guess again for the big money yeah <laughs> so um so as we've mentioned before on podcasts you know oftentimes people who come to serve the parish do so out of a deep love to serve the church but when, you, but, but when you do the math and you look at how many hours is required of them, the hourly rate would be abysmally unjust. You could say they're grossly underpaid and it's just not, an, it's just not a just wage. And I think this is the piece that I, that, I, that I see more often than not. We're asking people to do something that they've not been adequately equipped to do. And so in short, we're setting up our parish stabs for failure. Right. Right? Right. So the first challenge inside, we're under-resourced personnel-wise. We could go more clergy and staff. Second way we're challenged uh, on, the, on the inside, we got too many people to care for, right, Nick? Yes, Father John. We have, we have just way too many people to care for. I mean, you think about I mean, maybe people don't think about, but the reality from day to day, I mean, a priest and his team are just going from thing to thing, from fire to fire, from trauma to trauma. And, and this results in they have such little time to think, just to breathe, to pray. I mean, you're just reacting all the time, like bumping into meetings, right? Not even, not even getting the opportunity to get your mind straight for the next thing. Um, <laughs> we, we like to say this silly line like, hey, you got five minutes? I mean, just in fact, yesterday I had just called... Uh, my my pastor, I, I sent a text in the morning just saying, hey, can I have like two or three minutes? I, I mean, I know his life, right? I'm like, hey, yeah, two or three minutes to have a really quick conversation to set up a meeting, right? To he, follow up on something that we just did Exactly. With and guess what? He said, yeah, at 420. First of all, it's an awkward time, right? So guess what happens at 420? I find out he'd been in meetings all day. He was walking out of a meeting at 422, calls me back because he missed my call at 420. And I said, where am I catching you? He goes, I'm walking from my meeting to confessions. Oh, what do you have? Person. Right. Right? So this guy just walked out of meetings all day, is going into the sacraments, and now is trying to fit, get, get, I'm interrupting his thought pattern. So I mean, just imagine that that's constantly happening. That's what's happening in parishes, staffs, and, um, and priests. And so the result is the lay people don't 
get the care they need, right? We're going to talk about that later, I know. Yeah, so we show that clip from Hacksaw to priests, that same one that we show to lay people, and they go, really? We show mm-hmm. it to priests and to staff, they, they cry. Get it. It's they like, get it. that's exactly what I feel. And maybe I can just comment on this real quick. So we know, like, so if you're listening to this, you got a job, you're like, well, that's my life. Like, I go from thing to thing to thing to thing. Yeah, but having said that, the priest or the lay staff, they're going from ministry to ministry to ministry, which is much like being a physician, and you're going from patient to patient to patient. And if you're the patient, you want the doctor walking in to be attentive, Mm. right? Absolutely. You deserve that, you need that, and he or she wants to be that for you. And that's why doctors don't care for, I don't know, 12,000 patients, Right, it's because just it's, it's not sustainable. You could who who can get cared for adequately that way, but that's not an unrealistic number for a priest and a couple of lay people, two and a half to have to care for. And you know, Tim Keller quotes in one of his uh, his articles or one of his books that you know there's a variety of different surveys that have been done, which shows that you know a pastor, whether he's Catholic or he's Protestant, he can reasonably care for something like a hundred, hundred and fifty people. Our parishes aren't made up of 100 and 150 people. They're made up of thousands of people, which again, just lends itself to the sense of being crushed. So that's the ch- second challenge inside. And if I can just make a point, because we, we were just talking about this, and oh, by the way, no one else is lining up. Like, 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 like there's no more, there's no reinforcements coming. We have pastors who are nearing retirement age. Right. Our seminaries aren't full. And I don't think people are lining up to do parish work in the current structure as it is. Right. So we're stretched and we're just getting stretched all the more. To use the battle image, I mean, as the troops are on the beach, but if there's no ships in the sea with more troops on them waiting to land, there might be one or two, but there's, uh, there's not enough. Okay, third challenge from inside. Here's an ugly truth. So I want to say this. You know, I hesitated about sharing this, but I kind of felt this morning as I was praying that the Lord wanted me to, so I pray that I'll deliver this in a way that won't uh, condemn anybody, but I do pray that it will be a, a convicting and, uh, and maybe an exhorting word. So I don't, I don't want to say this to whine, and let alone to suggest that there's no room for uh, disagreement and for healthy conflict in parishes. We need these things. We need disagreement. We need healthy conflict. We should expect these. But <laughs> we have repeated on a number of occasions over the last couple of episodes, especially as we look about what's happening in the world around us, the absolute imperative for disciples of Jesus to make sure that when we speak, we speak like disciples of Jesus. And I mean, I've gotten emails over the last couple of days like crazy. We've all been in conversations, I know, with people responding to things that have been posted or said from within the church about people who serve in the church and how absolutely, utterly scandalized and offended and hurt they were by the way we're talking about each other. Well, Mary and I can testify to the fact that that's actually um, alarmingly commonplace in parish life, and it is scandalous and sinful. I've had, as a priest, I've had people email me catch me in a parking lot, talk to me, say things to me, both the words they said and the way they said it, that if I said to somebody else as a priest, that person would never 
come back to church again. And every time we're out, we share stories like this, and we're in kind of a group setting, and there's both priests and lay faithful there. Every priest is sitting there going, yep, nodding their head. Like, somehow, like, you're, you're supposed to just receive my venom right now. And again, that's not to say that we're not going to disagree. We're going to disagree all the time, but we got to be careful that how we disagree, how we speak to each other, is as disciples of Jesus. And Mary, you know, this isn't something that, you know, is somehow reserved to, to us, right? Right. So, you know, as, I, as I'm listening to you speak, Father John, I'm thinking about uh, what discourse can sound like on social media. So I think we're so accustomed to talking a certain way when, let's say, we're on Facebook, and so we can hide behind these screens. We, we, it's almost as if we give ourselves permission to say anything. And so I think almost like now that we have this face-to-face um, encounters with people, um, th- th- we're, we're speaking in the same way. So, we're, we're, um, so just as a lay staff, someone who's been there, I, I've been spoken to by people in the pews as if I'm uh, a punching bag. Right. And, and this speech isn't simply unfiltered. Um, it's uncharitable. And it's not the speech that Jesus would use. And Jesus, you know, says, you know, he was, he describes himself as being gentle and lowly of heart. And um, a gentle answer or even a gentle question can turn away wrath. But it seems to me like the climate that we're in, we've talked about like what time it is. It seems as though like we are perhaps the first generation that has turned hate into an asset and we glorify rage and we forget that we're talking to another human person and they deserve, you know, uh, respect. Right. That gentleness is strong, right? That's what the word he's using, but it's under control. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly it. Like we, as, as whether we're clergy or lay staff or lay faithful in the pews, we have to be charitable. And if we have a problem or an issue or we want to bring something that we think isn't seen to light, okay, have to remember Romans 2, 4. Romans 2, 4 says, do you not know that it is the kindness of God that brings about repentance? So I'm not saying that you're walking up to your priest asking to repent of something, though maybe that's true. But when you go up, it is kindness that is going to win the day and actually make an impact. That th- Those negative things we want to say, if we don't say them in charity, oh my goodness, it's just going to linger. And we do not want to be a source of discouragement to one another. I mean, that's, that sounds like the world, and we're not the world. The thought that comes to mind, you know, like I know as a priest, you know, uh, especially when I was kind of younger perhaps, but still at times, like I know if, if I'm not careful, I can fall into the habit of preaching at people. Mm-hmm. You preach at somebody, it's not, you know, that's not kindness. It's not going to lead to repentance. It's more going to like put up a defense mechanism. I'm going to put up a wall. I'm, I'm just not going to hear you. Well, oftentimes the lay faithful will preach at mm. the parish staff and the priests who are there to serve them. It's just not going to have an impact, right? So we want to we want to try to arrive at what the Lord's asking us to do. Exactly. And so when this is happening, as it usually does in parish life, right? And, and, and the parish is severely stretched already with personnel, resources, all these things we're saying, and there's few people to kind of walk alongside and share the burden with. So all this is piling on and piling on. It not only just simply leads to discouragement and bitterness, it can also lead to a desire to quit. That happens a lot. It's high turnover in ministry, right? But then even further, this is the really, in our minds, some of the worst things that can happen is people quit and stay. Mm-hmm. And this, this includes both clergy and lay people leading parishes. When you quit and stay, that means you essentially have just given in 
to whatever circumstances are in front of you, you're putting forth minimum effort, minimum sacrifice. You're going to have basically no joy. You're going to be robotic. And we all have seen this a lot in parishes. And it's so, we, we get so confused why it's happening, but it's because of all this other stuff. So yeah. that's, that's what's going on. That's right. So last challenge from inside, the fourth one, and uh, answering the question of why we need to reimagine parishes now, it's really simple. Um, not every priest either wants to be or is equipped to be or, quite frankly, should be a pastor. And you know what? That's okay. Like, I know a boatload of brothers, uh, priests, who are like, man, I would be happy as a clam to be a wingman my whole life. Just just let me serve, you know? But I don't want to lead and, 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 uh, in a way so that he can thrive as a priest. He shouldn't, and that's okay. And yet we put all these expectations on priests that, well, you know, he's got to be such and such kind of pastor, when in fact some guys just don't have those gifts, and that's how God made them. Like Solanus Casey was never going to be a pastor. Solanus Casey is a flippin' blessed, right? <laughs> like nobody remembers the names of any other guys who lived in the monastery, at least I don't know anybody else's name who lived there, but we know his name, and he wasn't the pastor, he wasn't the head of the monastery, he was the doorkeeper, he was the yeah. but he was a saint, right? Right. And so we need to, and that was because he recognized his own giftedness, his superiors, at least in theory, recognized his own giftedness, and they put him in a place where he could thrive. And that's what we want to do for priests too, huh? So uh, we want to make sure that we can put our guys in roles where they can be happy. And then if they can be happy, then the people that they're serving can be happy. So those are four. There are lots more challenges inside, but those are mm -hmm. four that we want to limit ourselves to as to why this needs to happen now. What about outside? This is going to segue into what we want to talk about in the next episode, but the challenges outside, this is a great segue because it involves not only who we're talking about, priests and the lay staff serving in the parish, it also involves who we want to talk about next, which is those people in the pews that deserve to get cared for with the best of pastoral care and the best of equipping so that they can fulfill the mission and the role that is uniquely that role, which belongs to the lay faithful. So we could talk about lots of things. Here's the one thing that's on my mind right now and is, is on our mind as Acts. It's just getting harder and harder to be a Christian in the world right now, in our country. You know, and Jesus sent the disciples out two by two. You and I aren't meant to live alone. We're not meant to do ministry alone. We're not meant to be alone. And many of us, both in the pews or people who are leading parishes, we're already feeling alone. We're already feeling stretched and this is all the more urgent right now to correct with regards to the parish model so that we have a chance of um, not simply fending off uh, the attacks uh, from the world, but quite frankly, so that we can actually survive and manage and get through the day because some days are harder than others. And with increasing speed, Christians are being identified as, quote unquote, on the wrong side of history, right? So could be abortion, could be euthanasia, could be any number of topics having to do with sexuality. And then a whole lot of other things as well. I keep thinking of uh, Philip Jenkins. He wrote a, a book called uh, something like The Last Acceptable Prejudice, I think is what it's entitled. And Jenkins isn't a Catholic. And in there, he has this uh, quote. At one point, he says, you know, a statement that is seen as racist or misogynistic or anti-Semitic or homophobic can haunt a speaker for years but it's still possible to make hostile and vituperative 
You guys like that word, don't you? <laughs> Big I word. Do. You love that word. <laughs> I had to look it over too. Bam. <laughs> it's still possible to make hostile and vituperative public statements about Roman Catholicism without fear of serious repercussions. Hmm. And so just think about what's happening right now in the culture. I mean, so we're living in this moment in the culture where there is tremendous pain being felt by our African-American brothers and sisters, huh? And we're trying to listen and to be attentive and to acknowledge and to hear and to help. And in the midst of this, there's some people who are going like, well, what's the problem? I don't see any of this. I don't understand what's going on. And they're making statements which... Um, are in fact bigoted, racist, and the immediate result, and I'm not saying this is unjust, I'm just saying the immediate result when someone says something foolish like that or harmful or sinful is they're gone. They've lost their job. They've lost their reputation. They are demonized, ostracized. Now juxtapose that with people who are making comments and make comments about Catholicism. Hmm. It's open season. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I'm not saying people should lose their jobs. That's not what I'm no, no, advocating, no. right? But you can say anything about the church, a priest, Christianity, some sort of belief. You can say it on Fox, CNN, MSNBC, any blog. And it's acceptable. And, and nothing will be said. No corrective, no caution. People will laugh. Nothing. Yeah. So this is this is one of those challenges from outside that we want to be mindful of that and and it's a reason why we need to reimagine parishes now because as the pressure gets stronger from outside we are going to need to be uh, someone gave an image not too long ago you know when you have a fire when you got logs in a fire if you take the logs and you spread them out you don't spread the warmth in the fire the fire goes, goes out, out. You need to bring the logs closer together so you can get more warmth and more light. That's what we got to be careful that we don't do. Right now, we are logs spread out all over the place, and we're in danger of the fire and the warmth going out. Right. And so this actually might be a good place uh, to end because it dovetails into what we want to talk about in the next episode. So this challenge from outside affects all of us. So those who serve in, in the parish and those who are in the pews trying to live out their missionary mandate in the world we live in, just in different ways. Yeah, spot on. But as always, you know, like before we end, and especially with this topic, like it doesn't have to be this way. Like we can act. We're not powerless in the church with regards to the structures that we have in place. We put these in place. So with wisdom and with courage— we can bring about the changes that God desires mm -hmm. to happen. And he desires the changes to happen because his ultimate desire is to get his world back, huh? Or as Archbishop Vigneron says here often in Detroit, to get his children back, to unite his sons and daughters in unity in charity and peace. And those things, those are things that the world, this country right now is screaming for unity, charity, peace, justice and that's why god the son became man and went to the cross so that he could defeat the powers of sin and death so that he could defeat the powers of satan and hell so that he could gather into one all of god's children and because he has done that you and i don't have to be afraid he's with us and you and i were born for this mm -hmm.